Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Warning. This podcast discusses difficult subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Vanya. Hi, I'm Avrin, and this is Rom Crime. The word vigilante is complex. It can seem black and white. But today, we aim to take you into the gray. It's beginning to look a lot like vigilante crime. All around the world. Is this just a test, or are we really recording for the show? It's okay. I am really recording. (laughs) I had a... Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Hi. This is uh, for us, if you're listening out of order, whatever. It's the week before the uh, Christmas holiday, if you celebrate that. And we're here and we're doing our thing. Yes, we are. We're getting down with some vigilante crime. We're getting down with some... Vigilante justice crime? Vigilante justice. I mean, I'd like to think... There's a crumb of justice in everything. It's not all black and white, as we may have mentioned, but... <laughs> right, it's true. We are to take you that, into the teal. Great, yeah, Into I'm the kidding. magenta. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I feel like we're looking specifically for stories where it seemed like there were no other alternatives to exactly. ha- doing something yourself. It's my favorite. I have to be honest, I'm loving it. And also... Um, the movie episode we had last week, we got a lot of feedback. Lots of people, lots of people our no, age that movie. really, that ruined their lives when they were yeah, little. Yeah. My sister included. She was like, yeah, that was in my nightmares for quite mm-hmm, some time. Mm-hmm. We, uh, If you didn't listen to the last, last episode, we covered Eye for an Eye with Sally Field and Kiefer Sutherland and Ed Harris. Yeah. And man, it's a doozy of a film. It sure is. You know, it is, I think, meant to be. A perfect storm in terms of like worst right. possible case 
murder situation it's true and then everything that comes after it's like everything just goes to shit which it should and then in the end i don't want to give any spoilers but you know eye for an eye eye Anyways, for an eye baby the title tells you it does how's your week been it's been all right you know like getting into the holiday spirit i've That's been good. trying not trying I'm doing it. I've just been leaning in really hard. I think that's because it's survival. <laughs> it feels kind of like this weird, bright, almost like normal feeling. Like I've always yeah. been one of those people that I love the holiday time, like from about yeah, Halloween to New Year's. I just am generally in a happy peppy. Like things are fun. Fun stuff's coming up every yeah. single month. Things I enjoy. Um, and so I've always had that. And then this year, I think I'm just so desperate for something to feel the same that I've just, I've leaned in so hard. And yes. I, um, I'm loving it. My husband and I, he has just been like the best fucking sidekick for me for Christmas Yay. because he too has just been like, yep, let's just go hard. So yeah. we're, we've been vomiting Christmas decorations all over our <laughs> tiny little one bedroom apartment. I can't wait to zoom with my family and be like, I know I've out decorated all of you. Oh yeah. And I like if you're listening, yeah, if you're listening, game on ladies. Cause I gotcha. I, I know I'm a little Except jealous. Betsy. I know Betsy's going to top me, but that's because she's the queen of decorations. I mean, I God, I wish I could just, I need, can you do a screenshot so I can see it later? Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, we, my family's, we're not, we're all, all over the world, whatever, but we're not doing a zoom. Well, we'll do like a quick zoom on Christmas or whatever, but we're doing a kids zoom on sunday where they're gonna oh, sort fun. of watch each other make gingerbread houses uh oh, you know cool. we'll see how yeah. that goes and then we're also in we're um we're doing like a on sunday no sorry on monday we're doing a drive-through like christmas yeah, thing so that'll christmas be fun village goodness i love lights yeah i swear to god even if i didn't celebrate christmas i'd be like i like lights let's do yeah, this who doesn't did you have like a street when you were a kid growing up that always had like the craziest lights and you would just you know Honestly, my neighborhood went, yeah. there was like a couple that went absolutely like Griswolds. Like, nice. yeah, and we, we loved it. My parents, everybody in our neighborhood really went. I don't know if our neighborhood was a destination. Like nobody had, there was no like You'd radio station. You know? <laughs> but I thought that was a great, it was a really nice neighborhood. And yesterday I took the, I put the kids in the car because they had been inside all day long and they just needed to get out. Right. And we just drove around and saw some piddly lights in Glendale because I didn't know. Yeah, where you guys at. have some fun lights on your block. You I know? just saw when oh, I really? parked my car. Yeah. Oh, they saw that. Yeah, those mm -hmm. are cool. So that's all always nice so this week for me was it, it's been good too we've been doing getting like prepping and i started a new job so i'm like my brain is massively full and i just feel a little like whoa my god very feeling very blessed to have a job but also like all right here we go Let's compartmentalize i'm learning new things more. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but during so the last couple days my neighbor called the and she was like hey i just wanted to let you know we have like a prowler <gasps> and i was like I'm sorry, what? Oh, you're like, <laughs> no, so there's been somebody... Okay, we live in Los Angeles in like the heat of it. And, you know, there's a, there is a lot of homeless people. Mm -hmm. And where we live, probably like, you know, what is it? A hundred feet from our house is a, a large shelter they built. Oh, Across right. the street from that is a, a parking lot filled with probably like a hundred RVs where people are mm -hmm. getting, you know, I'm all for getting people off the street instead of those like, you know, yeah. what do they call them? Like tent city yeah. type things. Yeah. Get them shelter. Yeah. And there, we don't see too much of it, but you see people and, you know, it's whatever. So yes, I'm glad. Yay for the shelter. However, you do get once in a while a little straggler. Mm. And this lady who is definitely 
has mental issues. And uh, anyways, so she's been getting into all of our uh, outdoor, outdoor spaces and stealing stuff and like, but not like, so she's got, she made a little tent outside in the back alley or like a little structure. Mm-hmm. And so some of it she takes and like puts over there. Right. So my daughter has this like fairy house that she built that she, um, my daughter will put things in and then the fairy quote unquote, it's, it's me. It's fine. <laughs> takes it and, or takes a note and like writes, writes back, back and all yeah. this and whatever. Um, but she had put like a special locket that actually Avrin yeah. got for her. But <laughs> in her mind, it was like, a very precious thing to, to absolutely to no I loved it I helped her wrap it up <laughs> oh good because I was like I don't know but I never worried about anybody taking anything and honestly it's like in right. a cardboard like, like it's house. A clearly a kid's thing so, so she had taken that we didn't know about that only found out about it later but um so my friend called me and I was like okay so I know and we were sitting um watching tv and my bedroom is right by the front door and I could hear something so I like I'm a crazy person like I knocked on the door and I was like or knocked on my window. I was like, boom, 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 boom. And I was like, oh, honey, you need to go out. I know we have some chairs, so maybe just bring those chairs in. So he opens the door, he brings the chairs in, and then we wake up the next morning and all of our mats in the front and, and in the backyard are all gone. We we haven't found those. Those weren't, they, huh. those weren't in the, yeah, I have no idea where they went. Like, so like welcome mats? Yeah, and then on a table in the backyard, our neighbor's plants were there. So they, she's actually just moving things around. Hmm. Long story short, so that's just like the fun drama that happened uh, in the last couple of days. And I think that this woman also um, stole stuff and got into somebody's house down the road, but also wasn't stealing it, like took it just in like and mo- put it somewhere else. It's just nuts. And just she, moving it around. Yeah. And and our neighbor who is also, she's like a critical care nurse or um, a hospice nurse. Thank right? you. She's a hospice nurse. She's just a, the most beautiful person in the world. And if you're listening, I, I love you. She's just the best person. Anyways, her and another friend went and talked to the shelter people and be like, what can we do? It's like, instead of calling the police and being like, right. this woman stole her shit. Right. It's like, how can we help this person? So I don't know the update, but I just, that's my, that's my that's week. That's been your week. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, why are all the things in different locations? It does mess you up. But I also like, you know, if we were in New York, I don't know what, I would probably just try to scare the person more and act <laughs> crazier. Cause that was my thing in New York. Like if somebody was crazy to me, I'd act crazier. Right. Yeah. That's effective. It does work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into our show what, today. What it. are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Today's story is about a woman who's lost her mind after her mats go missing and she takes... <laughs> vigilante. Um, vigilante style. Vanya's about to have a vigilante Christmas. No, I wouldn't. I know. I'm just kidding. Um, so today we're <laughs> going to tell... Um, the story of Lauren Clark, who was a young woman in Washington, D.C., who in the spring of 2013 experienced what I believe is probably every woman's or one of yeah. one of every woman's uh, worst nightmares. Yeah. And um, when the legal system failed her, she took justice into her own hands. And before I get started, um, all of this information came from an AP News article that was um, written by Amy Britton and Maura Judkiss, Judkiss, called Victim of Serial Groper Took Justice Into Her Own Hands. And it was published on February 2nd of 2019. So it's a relatively recent oh, article. Wow. However, the events that it stemmed from started, in, started 2013. in 2013. Um, and I also am just going to tell you that this first part that um, I'm going to read is just directly from the article because I thought, ooh, it just it paints the picture that we're going to tell you. Ooh, so. Without further ado, thank you, ladies, for your article. It was frustrating and eye-opening. Okay. 
Nearly six years ago, on an unseasonably warm April night in Washington, D.C., Lauren Clark was cooling down from a jog when she spotted a man in the distance. She quickened her pace, hurried past him, for a moment considered crossing the street. Her fear seemed irrational, paranoid even, until the threat became real. The man grabbed the slender 27-year-old hairstylist from behind, thrust his hand between her legs, and covered her mouth. He slammed her body to the sidewalk. A pair of black spandex leggings was the only barrier between her and the hand that would not let go. Rape seemed imminent. Death, quite possible. Clark flipped from her stomach onto her back and clawed the man's face. Her fingernails dug into his skin and tore off his eyeglasses. The man punched her in the face, grabbed her phone, and sprinted away. The man was caught just minutes later by police, who linked him to an attack against another woman earlier that evening. With fresh scratches on his face, he confessed. He was a stranger in the dark who attacked Washington's women when they were alone and vulnerable. This was a statistical anomaly in the world of sex crimes, where most attackers know their victims, and the majority of assaults never result in criminal charges. She, meaning Lauren, was a prosecutor's dream. After identifying the man at the crime scene, Clark was eager to speak her mind in court. She was unusually vigilant from the start, gathering her own information through police reports and court hearings. Altogether, the man admitted to assaulting six women in the District of Columbia. He was sentenced to 10 days in jail, tailored to two-day stints that best fit his work schedule as a chef rising in prominence within Washington's vibrant restaurant scene. What a dia. I mean, Clark could not forget the stranger in the dark. She would see him in her nightmares as she awoke gasping for air and drenched in sweat. She would see him in real life near her home and her salon. So that that's is all just so beautifully directly written. from yeah. the article. And I thought yeah. there's no better way I can paint this picture. So thank you. So his name was, I believe you pronounce it, J-Ro or mm-hmm. yeah, J-Ro Cruz. And the police department classified his crime as third-degree sexual abuse by force, which is a felony, and robbery because he took her phone, which is also a felony. Um, Groping offenses are typically charged as misdemeanors because there is an absence of aggregating factors that would warrant a felony, such as actually penetrating someone or verbally saying, I'm going to rape or kill you. But... um, What about punching? Well, but that's why. So in in his case, the combination of tackling her to the ground, the sexual contact, and the fact that he punched her in the face um, met the definition of felony sexual abuse under D.C. law. Sexual contact by using force. Yeah. So that's a felony. However, this article just enraged me from the beginning. However, the assistant U.S. attorney, Sharon Marcus Kern, instead decided to charge Cruz with several different misdemeanor crimes in the D.C. Superior Court. Misdemeanor uh, sexual abuse for the attacks on Clark and for the woman that he had attacked earlier in the night that we mentioned Mm. um, that they had connected him to, um, charged him with misdemeanor assault for the punch and second-degree theft for taking Lauren's phone. And Cruz was released on bail or whatever until further hearings. Wait, why though? Wait, the prosecutor is that on his side or is no. that? So that would be the prosecutor or like so the defense lawyer works for the defendant, which would be Cruz. The okay. prosecutor works for the city or the state, okay. the city. So for DC, um, she just decided they don't explain why that it, rather than charge him with the felony third degree sexual abuse by force and felony robbery that she was just going to charge him with a bunch of misdemeanors okay so that's already disappointing yeah i'm disappointed yes and so this again this attack happened in april he was apprehended that night and arrested and all that stuff 
But in June of 2013, Cruz signed a plea deal with the prosecution. And in exchange for signing this plea deal, they dropped the theft charges and one of the two sexual abuse charges, which means that he has now signed a plea of guilty to one um, like sexual abuse misdemeanor charge. And you're thinking, when I thought this, I was like, wait a minute, why does he get a deal? And I was like, oh, right. The whole point of a plea is to avoid going to court, which is really important to lawyers, especially prosecutors that are prosecuting like dozens and dozens and dozens of cases. Because it takes time. Yeah, because it's a lot. And if you can get someone to say they're guilty, do their time Mm. based on what they agree to, usually you can, you will lesser the charges. That's how I, I I understand it. Who knows? I'm not again a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. Right. (laughs) But anyway, um, So he signed a plea in June and basically pled guilty to one um, misdemeanor sexual abuse charge. In September of 2013, um, it was uh, his sentencing hearing. So basically when the judge would say, all right, you're guilty, you said so. So that's inevitable. That's going to happen. The sentencing hearing is a guarantee. And so it's like, so how long are you going to go to jail for the crime that you have... 10 years, in my opinion. ...that you have pled guilty to? Um, Lauren came to court for the sentencing hearing and sat up front. She had worked for hours on her victim impact statement, and I'm going to read it to you. April 10th was a Wednesday. That Wednesday evening found itself nestled into the peak of our cherry blossom season. As I jogged through my neighborhood, I thought it must have been one of the most beautiful nights I had ever seen in D.C. The way the flowers hung from the branches, the spring scent that lingered in the air. The details from that night are still vivid in my mind. What began as such a pretty night quickly became the ugliest I've ever experienced. Those details remain just as vivid, and they always will. A forceful hand over my mouth, another between my legs, the collision of a man's body against mine, the pavement, the panic, the pain. I also just think that this woman is so brave and very, very well-spoken. So that was her initial victim impact statement. However, the judge in this case, a man named Judge Morrison, took four separate Said it took him four separate sentencing hearings, meaning this one hearing where you decide how long you're going to send this person to jail. He needed four of them so he before he could make up his mind. Why? I don't know. I guess he was a little bit like, I just don't know what to do. And I just want to scream and be like, what do you mean? He's, Maybe he was like, oh, man, I, in the good old days, I used to jump women know, all the you time. You just grab women by the pussy. Ask the president. So um, I know. So over the course of these four separate sentencing hearings, the prosecutor shared kind of, in my opinion, like an insane revelation. Cruz had admitted to committing the same kind of offense so there were two in the one night in question, only being charged with one, on four other occasions to four other women. And he was never arrested or charged for these previous assaults, um, sexual attacks, but he did admit to them. Now, Lee Smith, which was the name of Cruz, that would be the um, motherfucker in our story, um, that's Cruz's defense attorney, said okay. the yeah. new admission, so by admitting that he had actually attacked four other women no one knew about, was actually evidence of honesty and remorse. Lee Smith, mm. yeah, said um, incarceration for his client would be a Band-Aid. Instead, the defense lawyer recommended probation with a plethora of services and programs designed to address the core issue of Cruz's behavior. Bitch, please. Like, as yeah. if that ever fucking Yeah, if it works. The defense attorney attributed this behavior. I mean, behavior, it could work, but it yeah. doesn't happen. Okay, sorry. Or, I'm let yo, you, it could work. You're like, I'm talking. System, no, no, no. But could, I agree <laughs> with you. Speaking. I 
I'm speaking. I'm speaking. No, 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 please pipe in. I love your I love your thoughts. I want to hear them as does everybody listening. I just punched my mic. Um, no, but so yes, those things can work, I think, in a system that works flawlessly. Right. But in a system that I think um, doesn't work that way yeah. to suggest that this this plethora of services and programs yeah. that are, you know, federally funded and yeah. are going to just take care of this, but we're all going to let him go on probate. I yeah. just doubt that's how it works. Anyway, right. his defense attorney attributed this behavior that needed, you know, help instead of jail uh, was due to alcohol abuse. And Cruz apparently had consumed roughly 20 drinks in the eight hours leading up to the assaults. Cruz then apologized and said he had stopped drinking. Here's the thing. I I know a couple of people who have done that in that kind of time frame, and they don't assault people. They probably can't walk, is my guess. Like, right. How are you going to have 20 drinks and then go run and tackle someone, yeah. attack them, steal their phone, run away? Yeah, weird. Like Twice oof. in one night. I mean, Jeez. I'm just saying. I mean, maybe he was doing drugs, too. Anyway, the prosecutor point. recommended- well, He was a chef. <laughs> no offense I, no, to the chefs no, out there listening. It's a thing people know for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, So the prosecutor in the case recommended a jail sentence of six months for the crimes against Clark. And then three months, and and then you should add another three months, so it would be nine months total in prison for the offense against the second woman, even though those charges had been dropped for the plea. Judge Morrison, our second favorite. Who's an old fart. Fucktard in this story. Like super oldie fart guy who was Very old judge. I'm pretty sure he was like appointed by... Jimmy Carter or something. Like something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He'd been, he was like probably 80 years old or something. So anyway, (sighs) even after all of this information, Judge Morrison still wanted more time to think about proper sentencing. This is tough because, you know, he felt that violence against total strangers, so attacking a woman who's jogging, that's like a serious misdemeanor and speaks to like true violent tendencies, right? But he also really just believed that Cruz was sorry, He was like, I feel like his remorse is genuine. So anyway, two weeks later. Justice is. Just blind. blind? Um, Or just horrible. Yeah. Fucked up. This doesn't feel. Not meant for the victims of crimes. This feels like we're amping up for some some vigilante. Yeah, some vigilante shits come up. So anyway, two weeks later. So after that sentencing hearing on October 15th of 2013, Cruz finally was handed a sentence by Judge Morrison. Lauren did not go to this hearing because she had already missed work for the two previous hearings because there should have been one and there were four. And she was like, I can't keep taking work off every two weeks. Anyway, Judge Morrison ordered Cruz to serve 10 days in jail on his days off, Mondays and Tuesdays. So he would go to jail Monday and Tuesday, basically for five weeks in a row until he was had spent 10 days in jail. And he had to stay 80 days in a halfway house. He also received five years of probation, which was the maximum that you could give him under the law. Additionally, he was barred from contacting Lauren Clark or the other victim. He was not placed on the sex offender registry. He should have been. Which was a decision that was not up to Judge Morrison, but but was determined by the severity of the offenses. So because he was only charged with like sexual abuse misdemeanor, that does not... But it was a violent crime. But apparently in D.C., that does not mean you have to put yourself on the registry. (sighs) So the judge instructed Cruz to receive assessment therapy and oversight from CSOSAs, which is a sex offense supervision unit. All right. So like they're a unit of probation officers, I assume, that for 
like sexual offenders, mm. they have to go through this like therapy assessment and they are watched. And Judge Morrison described this unit as extremely rigorous supervision. So this was supervised probation. This was not unsupervised. There are both kinds. You can right. be on like probation where you just go and see your probation officer once a month. Right. They make sure you're working, you have a job, you're not doing drugs, you pee, you leave. It's not that right. invasive. And then there are the ones where it's like you have to come in, you have to do therapy, you have to work on yourself because you should be in jail, but you're not because you're a lucky motherfucker and yeah. justice sucks. So Lauren was incredibly and rightfully disappointed with the sentencing, but she kind of mentally prepared herself from all like the, you know, malarkey and circusness around these four separate, you know, that the judge just couldn't make up his mind. So she had, wasn't holding out too much hope, um, but she was bummed. The prosecutor also wanted to let Lauren know that Cruz worked as a chef at the Brixton because DC is kind of a small town. Right. And Have you been there? Before I've been to DC, I have not. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I've been a I couple of times. I'm yeah. meant to go, but I never got over there. It's you know, it's definitely worth visiting. I think my sister lived I there. I really want to. Yeah, my I sister really uh, Kendall lived there for years, so I visited her a co- like a handful of times. And then when James and I first started dating, one of the first like little trips together I ever took was we took the train um, to DC. That. Yeah, oh. and it was really fun. And I I do like DC. I don't like this, but judge. it's like a smaller. It's like it's got a small town vibe. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's not a small town, but it right. has that you know. People know each other. You live in a neighborhood. Sure. And you just you go you to know, the free, you go you to frequent this, yeah. certain bars and restaurants. Yeah, like and we do. I feel like my, most people do, no matter where absolutely. they live. Absolutely. And she had a salon, or she worked in a. She salon. worked in a salon. Yeah. And so when she was informed by the prosecutor that Cruz, just so that she would know where he was, right. you know, um, worked as a chef at the Brixton, she was devastated because she had literally had drinks at that restaurant just two weeks after Cruz had attacked her. Ugh. So. This brings us to Halloween night, which is just two weeks after the formal sentencing hearing where he was given the 10 days in jail and the super, super vigorous uh, probation or vigorous following. I don't even know if vigorous is the word I should be using. I can't stop saying it. Vigorous. Okay. So it's Halloween, just two weeks after the sentencing hearing and six months after she had been attacked. Lauren went out to a Mexican restaurant to meet up with friends. And when she got out of her car or the cab that she had taken, she saw her attacker, Cruz, on the street, just 20 yards from her, just standing on the sidewalk. So horrified. I wonder if he recognized her because I know. She, he, she was in the Yeah, at she the was court. At, at court. He sh- I mean, he should That's recognize upsetting. her. Yeah. So horrified, she ran into the Mexican restaurant, but ended up leaving after only one drink because she was so shaken up from having seen the man who jumped her who jumped her and attempted to sexually assault her just hanging out on the sidewalk. Who did assault her. Yeah, who did. He assaulted her and probably meant to do more. So for Cruz, just a little background here. He's a self-taught chef who had worked his way up in the Washington, D.C. restaurant scene over the past 10 years. And he was notable enough of a chef in the D.C. area that restaurants would actually promote his name and his cooking on their websites. Um, in 2014, so that'll be basically the following year after he attacked Lauren, mm-hmm. Cruz got a huge opportunity to work at a restaurant called Vidalia, which was a well-regarded DC restaurant. And a year after getting hired there, he was promoted to chef de cuisine, which is basically the top job in the kitchen underneath Vidalia's award-winning chef and the co-owner of the restaurant. Wow. Jeff Bubin, who told the Washington Post at the time that Cruz was the next generation that's going to push us forward in cooking. 
So, in the months after seeing him on the street on Halloween, Lauren started keeping track of Cruz's whereabouts. She um, learned from Googling him that he had gotten hired at the restaurant Vidalia. Vidalia was located one block away from Lauren's apartment. That's so upsetting. Yeah. So now she knows that the man who attacked her is working one block away from where she lives. Like, what are you supposed to just forget what happened? Yeah. And And be like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Like, the chances of running into him are pretty high if he works a block away, right? So she wondered at this point if he was legally bound from being within a certain distance of her. that's a good question. But apparently... He wasn't because in the plea, all all that was stipulated was that he didn't contact her. So he isn't allowed to write her a letter, call her on the phone, send her an email, even if it was just to be like, I'm sorry for what I did to you, or if it was to terrorize her. He can't contact her. I'm kind of mad at her lawyer. Yeah, well, she didn't really have a lawyer. He had a lawyer and she had the prosecutor's office, which clearly they weren't really – her best interest wasn't – they were just trying to like Guys, we all need to make best friends with lawyers like in Flight Attendant on HBO. Oh, okay. I need to watch it. I need, it did come become available on the Roku today. Oh, yay. So I'm excited about it. Oh, I'm so it. excited for you. Okay. <laughs> no, I've heard. I can't wait. So she basically reached out to a service that provides like pro bono law, lawyer work for victims of these types of crimes gotcha. to find out like, is he even allowed to work this close to me? That's when she found out, yes, he just can't contact you. So she went to civil court and got a protection order against him that prohibited him from being in a specific geographic area around her home and salon. So even though he was able to continue working, I'm assuming what that meant was that like, you can't park on this side of Vidalia because that's close to where her apartment, you know, so she yeah. did have an order of protection, but it was only going to be good for one year. Uh, A whole month after the protection order was granted, Lauren was sitting out on her patio when a white car pulled into a nearby parking spot and a man and a woman got out of the car. The man was Cruz. So she is literally living a nightmare. She was attacked. That's every woman's worst nightmare is literally having a stranger grab you while you're out by yourself and attempt to rape you, then also punch you in the face, you know, attack you. Right. Well, and also not to be kind of gross here, but like I think about the, you know, men and and rape and I think about like maybe some guys didn't know they were coercing, you know, like what's that, that like really gray line where it's like, right. Where it's like, you didn't get consent. Yeah. But but they were definitely like pushing or something. This was somebody hiding in the dark. Yeah. And then running out to grab you. And did it twice in one night. That is absolutely nuts. That's like a future serial killer. Yes. Yeah. Like Homoko. No, what was the other guy? Um, I always Paul Bernardino. He, yep. Yeah. Per- Bernardo. Bernardo. He, sorry. Bernardino. But he did that. San Bernardino. He- <laughs> <laughs> Paul Bernardo. Yeah. Well, he was a rapist. Yeah. Before graduating to murder. This guy would have absolutely I think graduated. Have graduated or maybe to rape ha- for sure. Or maybe he, he did. But- Sorry. No, you don't be sorry. I think you're right. And that's why we're going to keep saying his name all the time. J. Rowe Cruz. So she sees him and she starts having justifiably panic attacks. Like yeah. just in everyday life. Yeah. Like going out of her apartment is terrifying because she's probably going to see the man who attacked her walking down the sidewalk. Right. So she got herself into therapy to try and deal with the trauma. Um, and then she kind of obsessively checked the D.C. Superior Court website for information about his case and took a great deal of comfort in the fact that the CSOSAs, which is the Sex Offensive Supervision Unit, was keeping close tabs on him. She took great comfort in that. Four years 
So we're going to jump forward now. So she's in therapy. She's keeping, she's monitoring his probation, making sure that, you know, nothing's changed and all that stuff. Things that I feel like shouldn't be her job, but she's vigilant in that way. So four years after the attack in the spring of 2017, Lauren and her sister went to Georgetown to shop. And as they passed through the West End and Clark saw, oh, sorry, as they passed through the West End, Lauren Clark saw that Vidalia, the restaurant that Cruz worked at, which she's clearly had moved, obviously, at this point, too, had closed down. This put her into a complete panic because that meant she didn't know where Cruz worked or where Uh he was. So she turned to social media where she quickly found out that Cruz was now working as a chef at a restaurant called Le Diplomate or Mm -hmm. Le Diplomate. (laughs) Le bibliothèque. Um, again, <laughs> it's, French, it's le diplomat. Yeah, I don't know. It's that's what it looks like. No again, Lauren was devastated and horrified because she went to le diplomat all of the time, all of the time, and the idea that she had eaten a meal prepared by the hands that had violated her made her feel barfy, like she was going to puke. So Lauren immediately went to the D.C. court website to check on his case again and saw that Cruz's um, long dormant case file, meaning like there had been no changes to it, had recently been updated. And that on April 10th, 2017, which was exactly four years to the day after he assaulted her, a hearing had been held and J. Rowe Cruz was removed from supervised probation to unsupervised probation. No explanation was given when she was looking at it online. And... Um, Lauren hadn't heard anything about this. So she called her lawyer. Like people should be letting her know where he moved. Yes. Clark had a right to be notified about any public hearing involving her case under the 2004 Crime Victims Rights Act, meaning they actually violated her like civil rights by not telling her about this hearing and giving her a chance to be there. So her lawyer gets her a copy of the audio tape from the hearing so that she can hear what was said. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of it in a second. But basically, a probation officer told Judge Morrison that there had been a major mistake. Cruz was supposed to undergo an initial evaluation to flag mental health issues, substance abuse problems, and develop a plan to treat his violent tendencies. Right. That was the whole thing. That That was the whole point, right? right? Like, you only have to go to jail for 10 days. Exactly. Somehow, Cruz had never received any of these things. Not only had he not received any customized treatment from um, the CSOSA sex offender supervision unit, rather, he had been monitored as if he were a low-level like drug offender with urine tests and a check-in with an officer every three weeks. So that kind of probation I was talking about, that's the only thing for four years that he had been going through with probation. So this is direct quotes from the audio tape. This will be Judge Morrison. So CSOSA has been supervising him since the fall of 2013, and you are now for the first time three and a half years later asking for an assessment, he asked the probation officer. I can't explain the lapse, the officer said. Anything you want to say, Mr. Cruz? Are you still a chef? The judge asked. I am, Cruz said. Where? The judge asked. Le Diplomate. On 14th Street? Really? Yes. Moved up in the world, the judge asked. Yes, sir. That's direct testimony from the trial that she could listen to Ew, on the audio bros, tape. like just like being yeah, like, just being like oh. way to go dude look the up. judge is like you know what i'm actually quite the foodie yeah <laughs> um, can you get me a table and maybe a free dinner and we'll just anyway judge morrison decided that since Cruz seemed to be be doing so very well you know moving up in that chef world and he yeah. had never been rearrested in the four years he was on probation that there was no reason at this point to go backwards and do what had been promised to the victims, which was have him assessed and have him treated for his violent tendencies and make a plan for him to never make those mistakes again. So instead, he was like, you know what? I've been doing good. So 
I'm going to move you off the supervised probation, telling him, so because you have done so well, Mr. Cruz, all you have to do from now until five years from October 25th, 2013, which is just about a year from when this hearing was held, is up as is just not break any laws anywhere. Do you understand? Cruz said he understood. And that was the end of it. So Lauren hears the tape of this. And the fact that Cruz was doing so well, post being pleading guilty to violently attacking her started to really piss her the fuck off and rightfully so yeah so that would make me mad yeah she found herself really wanting to like contact le diplomate to let them know what he had done to her because also do they know they don't know do they know we don't know she doesn't know but she's like but they should know so what she did was she had a, a close friend named saeed haddad who was a bar manager and she called him for advice did he work at le diplomat no but oh. he worked like on the same street gotcha. where all of these bars and restaurants that she clearly frequented that he seemed to just be working his way through mm-hmm. as a chef so um saeed haddad actually knew jero cruz like yeah, not well people go but out knew. after like, work and restaurant stuff like people that. hang out together so Listen, he yeah. knew this chef. And he was really shaken by the story that Lauren told him about what had happened to her. Um, Haddad in this article described the case as a huge gut check within the close knit DC restaurant community. It's an industry that welcomes all, no matter what your background is. Um, and so it was a gut check. Like maybe we should stop doing that. Maybe mm. we should, maybe it should matter what your background is. Yeah. So as a manager, Hadid had seen many situations that left women alone and vulnerable late at night, closing down restaurants or bars in the company of just one other person. And for that reason, Haddad felt very firmly that somebody like Jero Cruz had no place in a restaurant, specifically not in a position of power like a chef. Haddad even helped Lauren write an anonymous letter to Le Diplomate, hey, Le mm-hmm. blah, 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 and he delivered it for her because she wrote it anonymously. And this is what her letter said. The man who attacked me works in your kitchen. His name is Jero Cruz. He was arrested for sexually assaulting me and another woman. He pled guilty to the charges, and in court, he admitted to assaulting four other women. Six women. Violated, victimized, traumatized. Imagine girlfriends meeting for cocktails at your bar and coming across the face of a predator or a family sitting down to order a meal and learning it had been prepared by hands that have abused so many women. Again, I just love this girl. I, I just know, feel she's, like she's so eloquent. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the letter, Clark said that she would be launching an awareness campaign about Cruz in early June. She said she did not desire to tarnish the reputation of Le Diplomat, and she urged the restaurant to do the right thing. Guess what? They didn't. Not, That's well, right. Not until she launched her That's campaign. That's true. So here we go. In the summer of 2017, she started handing out flyers mm-hmm. and In big red lettering, it said, this man has assaulted six women in D.C. With a picture of him, of course. Three pictures. That's right, three. And And two of them, he was wearing like his chef outfit. Yeah, it was like, this is the man literally working in your kitchen right now. It's crazy. On the flyer. Love her. That's right. Mm -hmm. I know. And so, yeah, the man and the men. So anyways, the word traveled all over the place. and, And then it became online. So people were like looking and a paper, the Washington City paper, I think, wrote mm-hmm. a story about it, about him working specifically at Dip- Lay Diplomat. I'm going to say it. I'm Lay Diplomat. <laughs> and then, of course, on Facebook and then comments. And then, can you guys, I mean, Guess what honestly, next? to no surprise, yeah. people came forward. And by people, I mean women came forward who had been victimized by this POS. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just fills me with so much anger and rage because this mother 
whatever. Right, but it's the also judge like, could have like prevented yes. this. But it's also like tale as old as time, right? Yes. It takes it just takes one woman to bravely stand up and point her finger at at an uh, at a predator. Right. Because it's very unlikely she's the first victim, yeah. right? And so it just takes one to be like, okay, fine, I'm going to call this bullshit out. Yeah. Courts aren't going to do anything. Yes. You guys are treating my civil rights like they're nothing, and I'm the victim in this yeah. situation. So I will put this man's face on yeah. a flyer and read and, all, and tell you every his, dirty thing he's done. And totally. of course, it's not shocking that women are like, that, that happened, happened to me. me as well. And all of his bros or his people he worked with or even his bosses are like, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah, he's not. he's not like... Yeah. abusing you yeah you're a dude so anyway uh um so yes people came forward um there's another woman actually named juliana clark who has the same last name as lauren clark yeah, strangely, but yeah. with an e on the end whatever it doesn't <laughs> matter but she worked as a line cook at vidalia mm-hmm. and so of course jero cruz was her boss and he she had told um the post that she actually had consensual sex with him outside of work before and also throughout her time while she was there. But it took her until looking at the flyer mm-hmm. to realize that they were never dating. And he 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 coerced her right. into the relationship and she could never say no. Mm-hmm. And it's so gross because he would like, like screw with her or yell at her in front of other people who worked there grope her in the restaurant while other people were not looking. So it was like this really messed up little thing. And he would also corner her in a storage room, grope her, pressure her into having sex there. And she didn't tell anyone at the time. Or she didn't report it because, I don't know, she she just felt that she couldn't escape. She right. felt like there was, he was no her boss. way out. She yeah. felt, probably felt, if I say something, I'm going to lose right. my job. There was also another person, and obviously a woman who worked at Vidalia, mm-hmm. who said that Cruz just kissed her out of cons- without consent. And he, he would also, it's so gross, but like yeah. penetrate her with his finger. Yeah, like just finger her in the, and just randomly. It's like when he, d- it's just like he was a bad person. He was a predator. He was yeah. a sexual predator. So, Two months after these flyers came out, Di- Le-, Le Diplomat was like, I don't think so, friend. Um, <laughs> Although they would never say why he didn't work there anymore. Yeah. I guess he has rights too. I guess so, whatever. And then on June 27th in 2017, Lauren Cruz's lawyer files a motion with Judge Lauren Morris. Clark. Sorry, thank you. What I say, Cruz? <laughs> yeah, Lauren Clark's lawyer. So the victim's lawyer files a motion with Judge Morrison. Remember the old guy mm-hmm. requesting a new hearing, um, saying that Lauren was not notified of the previous hearing, which is the complete- one where they put him yeah. on like no big deal probation. Crazy. Yeah. So September 2017, Cruz was called into Mr. Judge Morrison's office, or sorry, at the courtroom. and his office. Yeah, his, his office. <laughs> and the judge admits, oh, man, I made a mistake. I should have notified Lauren, but I didn't, which it was a, clearly a violation of her statutory rights. So yeah. we'll do this trial. We'll do this whole hearing again. Right. Yes, dude. Do your job, Judge Morrison. Oh, my God. So do it right the first time. So, so they're all there. And this time, you know, Lauren brings her sister. She's, I would be so like I'd be, shaken. I'd be mad. I'd be pissed, but also hell, like, yeah. uh, can you imagine what that just does to the rest of your life? No. Anyways, <clears throat> so here we're at. By the time, by, so let's see. So she addresses the court, right? She yes. speaks again. 
What did she say? So it's um, the last time I was here. Oh, yeah. She says, the last time I was here, I was already... Oh, sorry. The last time I was here, I already knew this trauma changed me forever. But at that time, I had no way of knowing how this man would continue to bring pain and suffering into my life. Four years later, I have much more to say. And then is this... This is still her. Is it? She says, I understand why survivors of sexual assault don't report the crimes committed against them. It's like signing up to be... Oh, this is good. It's like signing up to be re-traumatized. It's a battle that tethers us to pain whether we never asked for and that we most certainly never deserved. However, I'm here today to say that this man has done more than enough to deserve the sentence you imposed on him four years ago, and he still deserves it today. Okay, so to that I say a couple things. This does remind me a little bit of um, in Juarez when they're like, you know, just talking, just reporting it mm-hmm. in a very, uh, we'd like to think that the U.S. is a little bit better in their laws and stuff right. like that. But reporting it, it only brings you more trauma. This also makes me think that she's saying that he deserved what he was given. I think he would deserve more. He did. I mean, and that's the thing is like, what a what what grace to say like, he deserves the punishment that he was g- given five years ago, and he still deserves it today. Instead of really saying, "Oh, I would have been like, like this." He, let's let's just let's start over. Let's just yeah. death penalty. I'm yeah. kidding. That's a, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but they also just killed someone who is never mind on death row this week. That was very upsetting because it yeah. was an awful thing. But it was somebody who was not of sound body and mind. Okay, so here we go. I digress. So Judge Morrison, he says. I've been a judge now for 37 years, and I don't remember ever having heard a more eloquent and forceful articulation of what it was like to be a victim in a case like this than the one that you've just rendered. Probably because you weren't paying attention. I mean... Not that it wasn't incredibly eloquent and beautiful, but if you have ever had a victim impact statement read in your courtroom from a sexual assault... You're just not listening. I know. For you to have handed down the sentence that you handed down, for yeah. you to have hem and, hemmed and hawed, you the, just don't listen. Yeah. Sorry, Judge Morrison, she, I don't like you. No, we do not like you. And <laughs> also the fact, you know, like think about anybody being victimized or whatever and having to go to court and just being like a complete like mess and crying and stuff like that. And this girl's like wrote something out that's like very, yeah. I guess, eloquent. Well, whatever. Fuck you, Judge Morrison. I'm sorry. Right. She shouldn't have to do your job for you. Right. So he reverses his decision and mandates that the CSOSA provides the assessment to Cruz that it forgot to do Mm -hmm. four years earlier. But Cruz's five-year probation term was running out. And, but he would finally in that last year get the, you know, treatment that he was supposed to get. So he leaves Diplomat or he's fired. We don't know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he briefly works at a couple of restaurants in Alexandria and Bethesda and earlier last year, he was the head chef t- chef at this place called Grist Mill at down at a downtown Hilton Garden Inn. Um, yeah, and and then after I think papers started calling there yeah. too, and so he don't work there anymore. That's right. Either. And you know what? I don't want to destroy anyone, but also he destroyed people. So screw that guy. But guess what? Clark won. So so she won her last court battle with Cruz, but she still lives with all of the pain and everything that happened. 
And she talks about having, and this actually gets me really intensely because she talks about she was out and she was just searching for, so she worked really hard that day and it was night. She went on a run at night. Mm -hmm. Which she can do. You think? It's her right. I don't know. I mean, yes, it is her right, but like, it's terrifying. So she, but, but then she was just out looking for some exercise Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, she has not gone on a run since. Yeah. She says, the night that he attacked me, I was out seeking a runner's high. I haven't gone on one run since. Yeah. And that's five years earlier. I and I want to kind of touch on what you just said there at the end. I was like, I mean, I don't want to ruin anyone's life. Because here's the deal. That's that's what makes this, I think, such a fascinating and interesting conversation piece. Yes. For, yes. for the listeners and for us to get to talk it out. Because I think... A lot of people might look at something like this and be like, whoa, too far. Like you, he can't keep a job and all this stuff. And in fact, she faced a lot of backlash online for distributing those flyers um, along with support. But she also, I I, I 100% support her. But I think that, you know, we talk, you hear a lot about um, like cancel culture, right? With celebrities or politicians. And I was just listening to this podcast that Vanya turned me on to that I'm obsessed with called Smartless. And Ricky Gervais was the guest. And Ricky Gervais, I think, is getting – he probably gets canceled like every time he does the Golden Globes, (laughs) right? But he never really gets canceled. But people are like, that's too far. And I thought he made an interesting point where he was like, you are allowed and entitled to be offended by what I say. You are entitled not to buy my – stand up on DVD or entitled not to go to (laughs) my movies. You are entitled to turn the television off when my face comes on it. You are not entitled to strip me of like my livelihood, my job, my career. You're not allowed to do that. However, if I killed someone or I raped someone or I violently attacked somebody on the street you are allowed to take everything like breaking from me the law. because I broke the law. Yes. Therefore, I have forfeit my right to those protections by breaking the law. Like people lose sponsorships like athletes all the time for taking a stand one way or another that whatever the brand doesn't like it. So they pull that. That's taking their money. But that's just an opinion, right? Yeah. So yes, I'll let people have that argument. I certainly feel like there are some people whose opinions should cancel them, um, should equal cancellation 100%. But I'm not going to say blanketly that I think cancel culture is fair because I don't. But I think that in the case of somebody Mm -hmm. who has broken the law and then somehow gotten away with it in a way that means that they face zero consequences for their actions. Yeah. Zero. Ten full fucking days in prison served on his days That's off. insane. Didn't even have to miss work. Like, what did he do? She had to take something? She, the like, victim give me a of break. this crime had to miss work to come to the hearings to make sure that he was, in fact, punished. Right. And he didn't even have to miss work to go to jail for for violently attacking her. So first of all, that's already fucked up. But I do think in this case, I side with her. I'm like, if nobody else is going to stand up, if the court isn't going to put him on a list that says this man is a sex offender. He should be, yeah. Now, it is up to the places that hire him to do checks on things like that. Right, criminal background checks. And I don't believe that most restaurants do. And I do understand why that is. And I also, part of me likes that. I love, I, you know this. I have worked in restaurants my entire adult life Mm -hmm. um, up until literally they shut all the restaurants down. (laughs) Um, And a restaurant is a place for people from all walks of life, people from all kinds of backgrounds, people that have been in jail and done horrible things, but are now trying to Mm -hmm. have an, like make an honest living or have an, you know, 
do honest, decent work. And I think that's awesome. I, however, do think that there are certain types of but that doesn't mean things, that they don't have to, they shouldn't check. Yeah, I think like, you can why still not choose to hire people yeah, yeah. knowing like, hey, this guy was in prison. A burglar for, or something, I don't for know. For check fraud or, yeah. or robbing someone. But if you know, if you find out that they were a sexual assault and know that they're going to be like, and say, alone with one other woman people. and you're... Yeah, yeah, like don't you have a responsibility as a business owner if to anything, protect your employees? I agree. And if yeah. anything, it's like, okay, so I'm hiring this person. I'm never going to leave them alone with the woman. Which, right. So again, I'm going to give this guy a chance. With but this yeah, this specific guy, guy I would because yeah, obviously he just like pushed people into the storage room and did finger them and do yeah, messed did up horrible shit things to them. to them. Yeah, but he was the head chef. And if you've ever worked in a kitchen... And even they as a have server, all the like, power, all of the power, like even if you don't work in the kitchen, you can be the hostess at the front desk as far away from the kitchen as you can be. And that chef still owns you. It's in like terms of like, like the hierarchy. It's cult like yeah. it really is. The chef is the scariest person in any restaurant. Sorry, dad. I know you were a chef and I'm sure you were. But really it's nice. true. It's yeah. true. I mean, I worked in a restaurant where somebody threw plates and I was like, me too. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's I've really been, funny. I've, uh, I've had like wrong plates thrown at me by chefs. I have been screamed at in a way that seemed like. I don't know. I, I don't think any of my parents and like my worst transgressions ever yelled at me as angrily as a chef at a restaurant yeah. I worked at did. More women should be chefs. Everybody. That's all I have to say is like, yes. let the ladies be And chefs. be nice, women chefs. Like don't you don't yeah. need to yell at the but people. Even if, I don't mind a little yelling, but also I mean, just don't be an, like right. aggressive but it's, It really is like this weird culture of, you know, in the kitchen specifically, the chef is God. That's true. And nobody questions. It's yes, chef. Yes, chef. No, chef. Not and a lot of chef, people go chef, you know? into that just to be God. Powerful. Yeah. yeah. And so like this guy clearly had a tendency to violently attack women he didn't know and women he knew. And I love that she forced the the place that hired him to at least have to stand by it. Yeah. Like, if you want to keep him on because he's an upcoming star chef of, of this new generation of young chefs, cool. But you're going to have to also explain why you're okay with yeah. the fact that this is who he is. And the, and he's, you know, and who knows? Six women is all we know of. And exactly. Like and then the, and the women who been came sick, forward. Yeah. If between been, the time where he assaulted yeah. her to the time, to, to now, so many women. Right. And... And that was six. There were four from before the night he attacked her. Do we think those were the only four? Oh, hell no. And so I felt I felt like when I read this article and I sent it to you, I mm-hmm. was kind of overwhelmed with the sense of it didn't make me feel good. Her no. vigilante justice didn't make me feel good. Right. Um, the whole thing made me feel sad and disgusted yeah. with the justice system. But it did feel like an example of how somebody can take their power back in a way that is that is truly like one legal so there's no gray area she didn't do anything illegal here um nothing she said about him was false right and she didn't have to go out and kill him herself or anything which i know we talk about a lot on these <laughs> right um and so i just thought this was such an, a fantastic example of of vigilante justice, especially in maybe a country like the U.S., where the legal system still fails people miserably, but maybe it's not. And again, I feel like I'm wrong. It probably is as dirty as some of the other places we've talked about where yeah, people are in cahoots. Be. But I think that's, you know, probably district to district and police department to police department. Could I'm be. sure lots of police departments are not dirty. Um, but where it's not like the criminals greasing hands, it's just that the system right. is rigged against the victim in some strange way and why I don't know. And I think it's that whole, you know, like 
innocent until proven guilty and you have to give the benefit of the fucking doubt until there is no doubt. And in this case, he pled guilty. So why was he given such a lenient sentence? Why did they not charge him with a felony? There are so many questions the article didn't answer where it's like it never needed to go to a place where this woman had to physically walk around Washington, D.C. with homemade flyers in order for the man who attacked her while she was out for a run to face any actual consequences. And I just commend her for it. Yep. I hate that she had to do it, but I commend her for doing it. Me too. Hey, Avrin. Hmm. Did you know experts say the restaurant industry has a well-documented problem with sexual harassment that extends from the host stand to the kitchen? Yeah. An environment with little oversight, late hours, and tight spaces is prone to abuse. I I didn't know experts said that, but it doesn't surprise me. It's true. The culture is one in which men who are not just allowed, but encouraged in some senses by their employers to behave in these ways. This is a quote by Saru Jayaraman, president of the Restaurant Opportunity Center United, a restaurant worker advocacy group that published a 2014 study called The Glass Floor, Sexual Harassment in the Restaurant Industry. Hey, Vanya, did you know? Tell me. That at least 26 women have accused the current president of the United States, and I'm just throwing this in here because, you know, he lives in D.C. The current president, Donald Trump, J. Trump. 26 women have accused him of sexual crimes committed against them. And these crimes include rape, sexual assault, and sexual harassment. So we're covering the gamut. We're not just talking misdemeanors. We're not just talking grabbing women and kissing them without their consent, which he's done apparently probably to like thousands of women. This goes up the scale of sexual crimes to rape. 26 have publicly come forward. And I don't know what kind of flyer we're going to have to make for people to recognize the truth that these women are speaking, but it should be definitely like covered in Cheeto dust and then we'll just like stamp it on like the White House. I mean, he's almost gone. So, but still, but still, he's still a person who exists in the world who could assault someone else. And 26 women need to be believed. I'm talking to you, Tucker Carlson. Ew. Gross. I hate him so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This one I thought was a good one. I mean, yeah, it really I love was. all of these episodes, and I love, I love this this area that I don't think I'd ever really thought too much about before. And it's yeah, it's been a pleasure talking about these things with you, and kind of disgusting sometimes, and horrifying, and all as, the things that we per, always feel as per usual. But yeah. it is it is definitely informative, and I like really like doing the research, and I feel armed with information. Absolutely, me too. And I'm Mary holiday season. That's right. To all of our listeners, we love you all so much. I hope that in this bizarre fucked up, my mom, did I tell you my mom's new thing? So no. instead of saying fuck, which I know I say a lot, I say all the bad words a lot. <laughs> she's replaced all expletives with 2020. So it's like, what's a 2020? Or like 2020 you. You're such a 2020. That is I think amazing. everyone should do it. Thank you, Betsy. Um, but yeah, 2020 is the new curse word. It's been a 2020 up 2020. Yeah. I'm ready to kick 2020 in the 2020s is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, we just want to thank you all so much. We are going to do like this little Christmas vacation on our end. And we'll Mm -hmm. be back, I think, the week after the new year. So I believe it'll be the 8th maybe or January 8th. January 8th. But if you are a Patreon member or 
decide you'd like to join and be like, I need to get Chubb. Well, I can't wait until the 8th for more rom crime. That's true. Then join us. Go to patreon.com backslash rom crime. So it is harder to search apparently, but you got to just, just type that in. Yeah, take you right Patreon. To that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash rom crime. R-O-M-C-R-I-M-E. Yes. And you will get all of our uh, new stuff that we're about to release during the holiday uh, you mm-hmm. know, and plus vacation. all of our old bonus content. That's right, which includes yeah. uh, covering "I'll Be Gone in the Dark," mm-hmm. Michelle McNamara and the Golden and State the Killer. Love Fraud Ooh, about that, that cuckoo cuckoo dude, and a new one coming out about an HBO documentary called "Murder on Middle Beach," which I'm so excited to do for you guys. It's new, it's mm-hmm. new, and it's mm-hmm. fascinating. Um, right. Also, because we love you so much, we do have a little Christmas present coming, or or Kwanzaa present, or Hanukkah present, That's a right. holiday present coming your way. In Sometime this, like before Christmas. Yeah, baby. So look out for that on Instagram and uh, Facebook and all those places. Or no. YouTube. We love you so much. We love you. Bye. Bye. 2020, go away. See you next year. <laughs> See you next year. Mm-hmm.